0: in the morning love And the sunlight hurts my eyes Welcome to WNHHFM 103.5, Just-in-Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer, inviting you to be in community with us about conversations and ideas that matter with people making a difference. Today, our wonderful guests, Mary Michinsky, state rep, environmentalist, conservationist, thank you so much for being on with us today.
1: Thank you, Justin. I'm happy to be invited. I just got back from uh, a clean energy conference and I'm full of new information.
0: Okay. Hey, are you feeling clean and green? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very positive. Uh, climate change can make a person depressed, mm-hmm. but when you come back from a conference where there's all these other states there and they are telling you what they've tried in their state and how it's working for them and working for their public, then you come back all ready to do it here in Connecticut. So I'm, yeah. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood because I got some good information from the other states.
0: Well, I, I just, on a, a light note to ease us in, with the weather being so temperamental, uh, what is your favorite, you know, climate like what it but what, what's your favorite time of year what are you a winter person are you a summer person
1: no i'm definitely a summer person justin um i work on water a lot my my uh, other job i work on river protection Damn. and i'm water a lot with uh boats and uh i also scuba dive occasionally Thanks. and uh all those things uh, warm water is good for all those all those activities. But um New England is a cool place because you have all the different choices and if you don't like the heat you can wait a little while and it'll be different.
0: No, I uh my family I my family's from Jamaica, so I always say that we have beach cousins. because so, it's just night and day difference. But I one of the things that anytime I spend a good chunk of time in Jamaica, I just say, man, I could live here, but I got to have snow. Like, if I don't have snow, something in my mind, body, just tells me that that would be catastrophic to me, not to have snow at some point. So I love the weather here. Yeah. Um. So tell us about this conference you went to. What was this conference? Why did you decide to go?
1: Well, it was the... Um... Center for the New Energy Economy, uh, hosted by Colorado State University. And um, their thing is to bring together the best and the brightest ideas and then disseminate them to um, to uh, decision makers from around the country. And uh, they have some really excellent teachers. There are some technical teachers, and there are also some policy folks. Um, when we're when we're not there learning these folks are out uh collecting best practices and uh writing them up so they can be spread around the country so they're really um a very I, and how I got in what how I got into this was uh I'm also in National Conference of State Legislatures and they had recommended that I go here and uh, I applied, not not knowing if I would be picked or not, but they did pick me and um, Kevin Ryan from Norwich and uh, Devin Carney from Old Lyme, and the three of us went in July, and then myself and Kevin went back in September to start working on proposed legislation. So, uh, you know, all, all these things are are really. These new ideas are really useful, not only to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also to uh, save people money. Um, Connecticut's energy is very expensive. We're um, the most expensive in the lower 48 states. And so anything we can do to uh, make our buildings more efficient uh, will help uh, consumers and businesses and governments save money too so so there's two good reasons to do this um transition to more efficient technology and uh that's what i'm going to be working on in the next session so uh the buildings in connecticut and around the country they they use 40 percent of the energy and a lot of this um energy consumption is uh wasted because it's not used as efficiently as uh it could be, and it and is in some other uh, states and some other countries. So, for example, I was very inspired by state of Maine. They are uh, yep, and in, in Maine, uh, it, when it's a lot colder up there, Justin, than it is in Connecticut. But in Maine, uh, they're on a big push to add heat pumps to all the houses and commercial buildings, and the heat pumps. Um, are more efficient, they work uh, uh, similar to a heat exchanger in your refrigerator, except in reverse so that you can use the, uh, you can collect heat from the outside uh, and you can collect cool air from the outside as needed. And they are um, a supplement to your other electric heat or um, or if you have uh, gas or oil already, you can supplement with um, a heat pump. And Maine is uh, every people in Maine are just picking these up as fast as they can. And then they use their fossil fuel system uh, to a much lesser extent. So you can get you, the new technology uh, has a 200 to 300% efficiency.
0: Wow.
1: Compared to um, 67% for an Energy Star gas uh, water heater, for example. So so you're not only, um, reducing your own energy bill, but you're also decreasing emissions and you're increasing, um, I mean, you're improving your, uh, air quality all at the same time. So, um, what I have to do now is, uh, is prepare legislation for February and, uh, it'll be based on some of the other States work and, uh, I'm I'm looking at three categories of buildings. The um, changing the building code to make new construction as energy efficient as possible. So for mm-hmm. new buildings, and then um, for the old buildings, like the one I live in, which is 100 years old. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> retrofitting uh, retrofitting our heating and cooling so that it's more uh, up to date and uh, and we have federal funds now that will help people make that transition. And uh, and the state can help with that transition, too. And then um, the third category of residential buildings that I'm interested in improving is the um, housing authority buildings. Mm -hmm. um, Housing authorities have uh, needy people, low income folks, elderly folks. And they they live on a small income, and uh, we can make their life easier for um, by reducing their their cost of energy and also making them more comfortable. And uh, that's that's another targeted group that I'm looking at. And then the commercial side, uh, like in my district, Justin, I have a lot of manufacturing, and mm. cost of energy is a, a big is a big part of their business expense. And uh, if we can bring that down in Connecticut and makes Connecticut more attractive for businesses too. So there's a number of reasons to do this. So we, we looked at some other uh, states and what they're doing. And, um, we, we looked at some of the more, uh, advanced states in energy policy. Uh, Colorado is, is a big one. Um, Pennsylvania is doing, uh, work on, uh, whole home repairs. Um, Oregon is working on um, uh, rebates and incentives to purchase and install heat pumps, and uh, prioritizing folks who need need it the most. They're mm. actually Oregon is actually going to try to get five hundred thousand heat pumps put in by twenty thirty. Uh, so wow. I got to find out um, how they're doing the financing on it, but that that's their goal. Uh, Colorado is. Um, phasing out uh gas line extensions and instead they're trying to uh, squeeze more energy out of um, out of the uh fuels they have now and um, they are changing their uh minimum requirements for buildings and updating their building codes to increase energy efficiency so um they are starting with new codes uh. In July of, uh, well, they did it. They started already. They started July of uh, this year, and they're going to enforce their their new code in July twenty twenty six. And they have a an energy code board that is working on the the model language for the codes. And they're sending money to um, local governments and builders and contractors to uh, make the energy code adoption and implementation work and they're training folks who do this work so they'll be ready for the new code
0: for those of y'all who are just joining us you're listening to just in time conversations wn FM 103.5 i'm your host justin farmer talking with state representative mary machinsky um i switching gears i um you know you were talking about this conference that you went to. Um, You are a biologist by training. So how did you get into politics? Like what made you decide, hey, I need to step, well, not step away because you're still doing the work, but what made you decide to shift into this different arena to talk about all these different policies you're sharing with us right now?
1: Well, probably, uh, when I worked four years for Connecticut citizen action group, it's more of a, it's more of an activism organization and, Thanks. and we, we worked on, uh, energy, a lot of the same stuff, energy policy, environmental policy, consumer issues, a lot of the same stuff I'm still working on today. And, uh, they, we trained people to advocate for themselves and to get up there and, uh, make noise to change policy Mm -hmm. that's kind of what opened my eyes to uh politics and then um our own legislator in my town uh had a car accident and was brain damaged and uh it just popped into my head one day working i was working at the Capitol as a advocate and uh it just popped into my head i could i could do this job Mm -hmm. so um it was one of those instant flashes, and then I just jumped on it and kept going. But it it's um, it is a lot of uh, self education and uh, and then advocacy. So you you learn as much as you can. Uh, we have to know a lot of different topics at the legislature, but I specialize in um, environment, energy, and uh, and then general purpose uh, making people's lives easier you know taking the stresses off Mm me so uh i kind of do the same things i did back (laughs) my ccag days but uh but representing my specifically the needs of my district so for example if uh if a hospital in my area needs something i i will do a bill for them if um the senior center needs something or uh the ymca I'll, i'll help them out um, but po- but statewide policy wise, uh, I work extensively on on energy conservation and on um, and on uh, environmental protection because uh, it's it's of great interest to me. And I I know we're facing some big challenges in the next few years as as the climate <laughs> picks up. And I'm trying to you know make uh, make it possible to be a sustainable state here, so we can. Continue on into the future. I have two kids. I want them to. I want them to be uh, successful and not have to be burdened by the impact of climate. And uh, I don't want my community to suffer because of climate changes. And uh, we have to get ready for that. We have to prepare the state and become as efficient as possible, uh, both to lower the emission, the emissions that cause climate change, but also. Uh, to make it less expensive to live here. So that's really why I do it.
0: I, you know, something that you said at at the beginning of the segment was that it, it is often in this, this season, in this time of uh, climate catastrophe, right? It can be grim. And so, you know, Being a parent, being a legislator, being someone who is conscientious to these things—what gives you hope in terms of this work? Because we, I think, this last week alone across the globe there is maybe eleven floods between different countries, and it's just you know you see these things, you see the wildfires. So what what gives you hope to do this work?
1: well tech, two things um uh, technology there are leader states and leader countries that we can follow their path and uh well three things I guess, and then there's new federal funding uh there are laws that Congress passed that have money in them for states to start making these transitions mm-hmm. and uh our state has been pursuing the federal grants and um uh, for example, I, I got word of one this morning for uh, senior around the around the state, and um, we can uh, spread that money out and do the investment to making things uh, work more efficiently and use it lose use less fossil fuels. So those things make me feel positive about the future. You know, I, I talked about Maine, how they're you know a cold state and and uh and people are stressed living in the winter and trying to pay for their fuel oil and new england is 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 very dependent on uh, fuel oil natural gas uh unlike the other parts of the country so in the midwest there are states that are that are uh switching over to wind power in a big way and uh and even in texas you have uh wind and solar yes. uh and, and you don't think of texas as a as an energy leader, you think of them as an oil state, but but sure enough, they're all they're working on um, adding uh, renewable energy to their to their energy sources, in, even in Texas. So, you know, it's something that we all we can all do our thing to make our energy more efficient. And you know, Maine Maine has a um, another statewide goal for they're going to put in a hundred thousand. High-performance uh, heat pumps, both residential and commercial, by 2025. Uh, that's a very aggressive goal, and uh, yeah. and people that have them already. Uh, and I looked into this for my own house, by the way. Uh, people <laughs> that have heat pumps already. My my furnace just failed last week, so. Oh no. Uh, but but the um, you have to have that uh, that help to make the jump. To put the new installation in because it's an upfront cost and then you save money from then on so you know when i get back to the uh, session to the new session uh i've got to put together something a package that will help people make that transition um some of the states use uh, on bill financing where you pay for it over time uh, through your utility bill and uh you know there are various ways to do this but um the state can take on the housing authorities and help them make that jump. Uh, so there's different ways to do this. And that's what I have to start uh, exploring to, to put into the legislation, but there is um, to answer your question. I now know from having been trained at uh, for two weeks at, at, at the um, center for the new energy economy that um there are things that are working that we can follow through with in Connecticut and we can achieve the same savings for their constituents that um, are happening in other States. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm happy and positive about this, Justin, because I see a path where we can, where we can do better for our
0: state. I, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that, I appreciate about you is that you're you're talking about not only the things that can help affect and change you know our local communities, the planet, but how to help people with their everyday lives. i I, I found it very interesting that many of the places that you mentioned, maine, Texas, Oregon, right, Colorado, aren't necessarily the most liberal of places, (laughs) and I think when we talk about um, climate, climate change, talk about global warming, talking about how to combat some of these issues, it becomes polarized. And so I know that, you know, you're a person who, you know, uh, is a leader of the bipartisan caucus. So how do you feel that climate change should be a polarizing issue? And if not, how do we talk about it? How How do we talk about it in a way that we bring people to the table to figure out solutions?
1: Well, first, first uh, I have to tell you, Justin, that they wouldn't even let me come to this training unless I brought A person from the other party with me. (laughs) That's a requirement to go to this training. So um, Devin Carney is a Republican and I'm a Democrat. And uh, we both had to come together so that when we get back to our home state with all this new information, we can do a bipartisan approach. Um, The energy efficiency seems to be well regarded by both parties. Both parties like saving money, for their, okay. for their constituents. And um, while you might not be able to get somebody from Texas to say that it's a good idea to switch away from oil, and you might not be able to get somebody from West Virginia to say it's a good idea to switch away from coal, you can certainly get any elected official from either of those states to tell you that saving money by making your technology more efficient is a good thing for your constituents. So the energy efficiency idea is pretty much a bipartisan idea. And, um, and even in a place like Texas, they have, they're now installing in some homes, uh, short-term energy storage for four hours. And why they're doing that, as you may know about Texas, they have, um, a grid that is solely within uh which is how they how they get in trouble when there's a big ice storm or or some other crisis like that they can't they can't bring in power on the grid from another state whereas we can in Connecticut but um but Texas has a a single grid system they're all uh one state grid so what they're trying to do now to get ready for the next uh, storm is to install four hour storage so you can um, store up in your battery power at uh, low demand time of day, and then use it uh, at high demand time of day. Even with the same power, you're able to carry more, um, carry more energy demand because you've stored it for four hours. So, so things like that, just, just changing um, how we use the energy to make it as efficient as possible uh, can help people. And in our in our um, state and also nationally, uh, low income folks spend about three times more of their income on energy bills than other households. Wow. And you know, if we if we can do these efficiency changes, we can um, reduce their energy use. Uh, even with weatherization, we can u- reduce their energy use by 25 to 35 percent. And so they have more money in their household. They can uh, buy food or rent or whatever they need. And uh, it's just less stressful on them. Seniors the same way. They they live in a some of them in my district live in a big old house and. Uh, and the old ones are not as efficient and uh, they spend too much of their income on energy. So. You know, we can we can do many good things by uh, combining our efforts on energy efficiency. And there's folks in uh, I didn't go this time, but a a previous trip. uh, I went into the. uh, Into the Colorado State University and there were young people being trained uh, as technicians and engineers and they were working on making cars more efficient, making heating systems more efficient in the lab. And I was watching them and I was thinking, wow, these, these guys are gonna save the world because they're, they're bringing us new technology that's gonna make our life better.
0: How, how has the conversation changed over the last 20, 30 years of conservation? like in in your lifetime, how has the conversation changed around these issues how, do you feel it's the same? Do you feel it's it's progressed? Do you think it's progressed
1: well, to be honest, Justin, when I first did and that concerning global warming, which is I think nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety it was the first one in the country oh wow. And- and I had a bipartisan vote on that you know it was a it was a big strong vote the um parties had not yet uh separated into believe in climate change don't believe in climate change and and that was really the industry that the uh, oil industry natural gas industry uh, especially the oil industry they they did try to muddy the waters and make people doubt climate change for a couple of decades and it set us back. Uh, we, we could have uh, done more if we had acted faster. Um, so so it, was, it became harder to pass uh, climate bills after uh, the parties started to separate based on whether uh, the state was a producer state of energy or um, a user state like our state and so they started going to go into two camps, but um, that's a reason to for me to focus on energy efficiency. I can get savings that will help people financially, and I can also reduce emissions just by talking about um, how efficiency saves money for homes and businesses. That that's a that's a, a pitch that everyone can understand, no matter what party they're in. And that's why I'm going to go with that. We had uh, we had some um, conservative instructors talk to us at the conference about um, the language to use with folks who might be skeptical about climate change. And that language is, you can make this step. You can change your commercial business. You can change your house, uh, heating and cooling, and you are going to save money. And that issue works with people who may or may not believe in climate change. I, I certainly believe it because I pay attention to the, uh, the news and the science and it's you know, clear, everything is being measured as being more extreme than it was. So I, it's clear to me, but it's not clear to all my constituents. And, uh, but saving money, everyone loves. So we can help them save money and also protect the environment that's a win. And I
0: will do, I will do that.
1: Do
0: whatever you, works,
1: whatever works, Justin.
0: Well, not, well I, I think that I I very much believe you got to meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, And I, I also agree with you that you know, I, I think of things like micro generation, right? Where there is there right now you have uh, New York just fought uh, to have uh, a public utility right um, there there are ways that that we can save money um, that involve bringing people together and and, and, and talking about. The issues. I, I guess one of the things that I, I wonder is: Do you feel that there's enough people in these positions of powers who are elected who understand and grasp the issues uh, that the next generation is going to face with energy and the climate?
1: Not yet. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a climate bill on the agenda this past session, and we couldn't get it through. Um, there's, when you do a transition like this, there is some fear in the, you know, in the existing industries. Uh, what's this transition going to mean, mean to my business? Can I still run my business and be successful? And we had some folks um, attacking the transition. But... Uh, We think that the transition can be done uh, over time and uh, using new technology, and that's true both in cars and transportation as well as in buildings, that we can do better and uh, people will still be able to work in that sector. They'll just be doing a different kind of job. Obviously, that means we have to retrain the workforce and um, I've, been a lot, I've done a lot of work on workforce training when I was chair of program review and investigations. Um, so we can target the sectors that are going to be making the transition and uh, help them uh, develop. We can develop green credential programs for them and then retrain them so they can do the new work on the new technology. Um, you know, you're still, you're still going to need car mechanics. You're still going to need um, HVAC folks. They're, they'll just be working with different equipment. And mm-hmm. uh, we have to identify that ahead of time so we can uh, prepare the uh, educational courses for these workers. But uh, we are going to need workers to do this work. And um, they're in... Uh, just two years ago, we, we had, uh, 2.4 million workers involved in energy efficiency. And this wow. is West wide. So, uh, there will be more of that and people will need to learn these new techniques and we can teach them at uh community college or at UConn engineering school or, um, private schools. But, uh, there, we, we spent some time at the conference talking about workers and how to get them ready for the transition. And uh, it was interesting, um, some of the uh, trainers in the, in the uh, center, which is affiliated with, with Colorado State University, and some of the trainers there have been going into towns that have a, an old energy business and working with the community to get these workers ready to do a new type of career still in the energy field but it'll be a new type of equipment and um they want them to be ready for the transition which will happen over the next uh five years or so so um our state you know we have uh hundreds and hundreds of uh workers employed in in fuel oil, natural gas, and other systems that we're trying to transition away from. And so we we do, that is gonna be part of our responsibility to uh, get them trained for the next level of energy production, the cleaner energy and more efficient energy. We can't just leave them behind. We have to get them included in the new green technology economy.
0: No, I I definitely agree with that sentiment. I I uh you know the it's very interesting that as technology technology has made our lives easier and um yet at the same time people are working more, they're spending more hours, uh And so, you know, we have to educate people and bring people into understanding that by implementing new technology, we can make things easier and not harder. Mm -hmm. Um, Today is election day. Uh, Today, for those who have primaries, um, as as someone who cares about the environment, why? Why is voting important? Why is the electoral process important? Why does it matter who we elect in terms of making these decisions?
1: If uh, if you're politically active, and I know in primaries, they have a low turnout often, but if you're politically active, you have more clout. Um, We used to tell folks that at CCAG said, your, your cloud is in numbers. You may not have a big, a big uh, uh, company or um, a lot of personal wealth. And some of these people are more influential than they should be. But you don't have that. But what you have is voting power. There's more of you. And if you all uh, get together and say, we'd like this changed, um, politicians will listen to you. You're actually more influential than these guys with the big um, donations uh you just have to work together and uh and and press on your legislator or your town official or your uh, governor and say this is where we want you to go so um people do have a lot of clout if they uh are active and that's i do try to to uh, ask people to get involved and uh you can start with um a local neighborhood issue yes. uh, that you can, and probably you probably did that just in yourself. You probably <laughs> did a neighborhood issue. And then you said, Oh, maybe I could run for council," And there you go. So, uh, and I don't know where you're going next, but I'm sure it'll be involved in policy. Um, but, uh, at TCHG, we used to get people working on one, one issue where they could make a difference and their, you know, maybe something like, um, uh, controlling uh the speed of traffic in their neighborhood something like that and then and then win on that they would they would all go down to town hall and they would work on that and then they would win and they'd say hey this really works this this public pressure thing really works and uh, people are listening to us but the the trick is to do it as a as a group you know working together as a group in the community that works that works a lot better than one person just haranguing public officials so we try to get them to to learn that technique and then um and then they would go from there to uh statewide issues once they got the hang of um, testifying and uh, meeting with officials and sending emails and so on and then the timing of uh when people are active uh is good too if you If you uh, are interested in certain policies, but you missed the primary, then you've kind of lost part of your leverage. Whereas if you do participate in the primary, then you can go to the um, politician afterwards and say, I supported you and now I want you to do this. And uh, I expect you to do, to do this for me, for me and my community and to uh, not ignore our community. So, The more active you are in participation, um, the more leverage you have with the local uh, political figures and your state figures. And um, I send out a survey once a year and I get feedback from the district. Um, I do walk to the doors and I get feedback that way too. And people send me emails on every kind of topic you could think of. Um, So I try to encourage that because uh we can do our job better if we get the feedback. And um, if people are upset, it's good for us to know about it. And, mm. and uh, well, I know the cost of energy is certainly a big, a big thing for people. And I live in a district that is lucky enough to have a municipal u- utility, which um, means our electric rates are about 25% less than yours are, Justin. But uh, you're... In- you're in an investor owned utility, so it's a different thing. But but my utility, beloved as it is, um, does not help people with the transition. Mm-hmm. And uh and and the investor-owned utilities sometimes are out front on that. They're they're where they will help you with the transition. So, you know, that's something I gotta look at too, is how to get even the municipal utilities to be involved in transitioning us to more efficient technology. Um some so around the country there are utility municipal utilities that do do that, so it's not unheard of. And uh uh we can we can borrow from them on how they did their financing program. And uh Chattanooga in, in our state too. Chattanooga is, is it municipal.
0: Yep. Uh they they uh do a pro I, I tried to push uh at, at the local level for us to do a resolution to support uh a, a a municipal utility and got pushed back uh, uh <laughs> that it was a uh some type of uh uh left conspiracy and i uh pointed out that our neighbors literally <laughs> have been doing this for 20 years
1: <laughs> no, We've for decades it goes it goes way back in Wallingford but uh, and it's only two towns it's Wallingford and Northford but it does save us money um, they're uh, accessible they fix power really fast you know we don't get those 10 day outages that Eversource does um, we don't get that we have a very fast uh, recovery in our town but if you're trying to um change over your heating system, uh you aren't gonna get help from the from our municipal utility because they only do short term payback period investment. So they will help you with bulbs <clears throat> and inflation, but not um not the big things. So have to I have to work on that too, figuring out how um how we can help everybody move forward into the more efficient technology. And and there may be, if you think about this, there may be a conflict here because if they help people be more efficient, they sell electricity, they sell less electricity. So, you know, that may be an obstacle for them to help us. And uh, we have to, this is where I'm going to be working with other municipal utilities around the country to see if I can see, how They um, were able to do the financing part.
0: Um, no, that that uh, the, that's where I'm just like, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's not a problem for you. But <laughs> say, you were, say
1: you're say uh, you're on the public utilities commission of a municipal utility. If people get too efficient, you're not going to sell as much electricity to them. So they're probably worried about that. So uh. Again, I'm going to use the the big municipal utilities as a model um, for example San San Antonio Texas has a municipality no. and there's um I brought back I'm trying to find it here and I don't have it right in front of me, but I brought back five municipal utility examples of of um, investment in in the new technology and uh, I will be checking with them to see how they paid for it and how they uh, were able to get their um, PUC to go along with it. So that'll be, um, that'll be interesting to see how they did it, but they are doing it. And uh, even the municipal utilities are doing this uh, transition, some of them. And um, that's, that means we can do it too. You know, if right. I hear somebody say, Oh no, it's not possible. I say, well, what about, san antonio what about you know another another state and um someone has already done the pioneering work and we just have to replicate it it's 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 not rocket science we just have to replicate what they were doing which seems to be working and um people's lives will be better and i'll be more positive about uh my state (laughs) um you know, as you said, Justin, we're, we're feeling the effects now. Just this morning, I was reading the news and they may have 10,000 dead people in Libya Hmm. because of unusual flooding that overwhelmed all the dams and uh, the dams burst and people were killed. They don't even know how many people were killed. We have, um, parts of our country running out of water, uh, we have uh forest fires in Canada that go on for weeks that didn't used to happen and uh we're starting to have to think about moving things in Connecticut to accommodate sea level rise such as the railroad uh along the coast the um some of the roads along the coast in, in New Haven might have to might have to move where where the sewage treatment plants are and um the uh Shoreline uh, Commerce, there there are so many changes that are coming that we can um, make less damaging by making our energy cleaner. So, you know, we're a little state, but we can do our part and uh, the big states do their part. And um, we all use the smartest engineers we can find and um, proceed from there. Things will get better. So that's the Question. mission.
0: As we near the the ending of our time, I uh I uh, have three rapid questions for you. Okay. Uh, um, how do we build out the bench uh, to get more environmentally uh, conscientious legislators? How do we bring in young people into these conversations about conservation and uh, uh energy consumption um and then my favorite question to always ask people is what's a favorite song that they have that we can remember them by and remember the conversation by
1: okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> there, are folks, there are folks very smart people working on these issues now but they're separated from us they're in the universities, they're in the community colleges working on these um, transition issues, but they may not be in touch with policy people. So bringing those two together is a useful thing. And and just like I went to watch the students working in Colorado, uh, we can have legislators working with the students and having the students explain the technology they're working on in our community colleges and universities. Uh, we have to have a stronger partnership with them because that's where the young talent is there, and mm-hmm. uh, and we just have to link it up with the um, with the policymakers. So they're they're in their lab working on making things work better, and uh, the policymakers are in Hartford, and we have to get the two together. Um, that would be one thing. Uh, I don't remember your second question, but the third question. Um, I think your song that opens your show is, <laughs> is a really good song. And uh, it is a lovely day when you can harness the bright minds to the policy changes. And uh, um, the next generation comes in and they uh, bring their talents and uh, get the policymakers to uh, take the new technology seriously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we move on from there. So There's some very clever people um, working right now, even while we're talking on this show, there's some very clever students working on making our state better, improving our technology. And uh, we just have to encourage them to share their talents with the policymakers. I think that will help a lot. I do think this issue is bipartisan. Hmm. Um, the transportation may not be uh right now. I hope it will <laughs> right now the uh there seems to be more interest in keeping fossil fuel technology on the Republican side uh for transportation. And I hope we can move past that. But on the efficiency, um I think that's a bipartisan issue. And I think it'll fly in Connecticut. Uh I'm gonna work with my my colleague Devin Carney and hopefully we can put this together for uh, the session. And hopefully, we can pass it and uh, make people more comfortable, have a little more money in their pocket, and make the air cleaner, too. So that's the plan. That's the plan, Justin.
0: Well, I thank you so, so much, uh, Representative, uh, for spending the time with us. I, I, every time I have a show, I'm just like, where did the time go? Uh, but um, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on with us. Um, Until next time, let us continue to plant the seeds of change so we can grow together.